Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. We're going to actually not look at the Parsha at all. Um, We are going to look at texts on how Jews deal with refugees. Um, So this Shabbat is, I think, the sixth annual highest refugee Shabbat. Um, And though I have not worked at Tom Betham for six years, um, I know that this has been a meaningful Shabbat for um, for our social action committee and especially to Tyson and Rachel Rubin Green in, in the most recent past um, in terms of putting together meaningful learning and exposure to what it means for Temple Beth Am to be involved in both the refugee crisis, but also in making sure that we as Jews are learning what it means to take care of the stranger and take care of especially a stranger who is in need of refuge. Um, so we're going to look at a few texts. Now, I put a lot of texts on this source sheet and we're not going to get to all of them. Um, so depending on on how the conversation goes, we might get to even fewer of them than I expect. Um, but I wanted you to have them. And there are obviously many more that are not on this source sheet that talk a lot about this as something that's important to Jewish tradition and also in terms of the mitzvot that we carry uh, around with us, which is connected to this past week's parsha, right? Connected to the idea of um, of receiving commandments and how we then follow them. So if everyone can take, I think there should be enough for everybody to have one. I honestly don't remember how many copies I made, but start with everybody taking one. And if we need to shuffle them around, we can. Um. <clears throat> Okay. I did remember to put page numbers on this source sheet, and I'm very, very proud of myself. So we're going to use them. Thank you. Thank you. It's, I think it's the first time I've done it ever. Um, so I'm very pleased. So we're going to look at the first, the first verse here, which if you were to just look up Jews and refugees, this is probably the first text that would come up. Um, though, though again, not the only one, but definitely the verse in Vaikra and Leviticus that allows us to jump off into a larger conversation about refugees. So someone, um, actually, let me, let me read it because of live stream and then, um, and then I'm gonna, and then I'll open it up. Okay. I'm just gonna read it in the English and then I'm gonna pick out some pieces in the Hebrew. Does everybody have one? When a stranger resides with you in your land, so the word stranger that's being used here is ger. How is how is ger sometimes translated otherwise? Alien? Yeah, alien, right? Someone who's unknown to us. So right. those stranger could also mean the same thing when we think of someone who is coming into our midst um, and then residing with us. Often the word alien is used instead of just stranger, someone who might be passing through who we don't know. You shall not wrong that person, right? So a person who you don't know is now going to take residency within a land that you live in and you shall not wrong them. That's already a pretty, a pretty heavy statement and a really beautiful way of thinking about how we welcome people into, into our midst. The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as one of your own citizen citizens. So a phrase that you probably all will recognize when I read it in just a second, and you're going to love that person as you love yourself, right? So this idea of not just, oh, make sure that 
they have a house and make sure that you're nice and make sure that you say hello and good morning, but really take care of them like you would anybody else in your community. And then the Torah goes as far to as to say, really, as you would take care of yourself or your own family. Um, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am Adonai, your God. Okay. So where, where does this come from? Like what general story does this come from? Yeah. A time where we too were, were the unknown people, right? In someone else's land. We were strangers. Now someone might go about and say, well, that was kind of our story most of Exodus through the rest of our Torah, right? Anytime we were traveling, we were then strangers in another land that was not our own. But what what it's putting out here is that you, not only were you categorized as that before, but you felt the way they did before. And that's really, that's really important. It wasn't just that you could be called a refugee, but that you understand the feeling, that you understand the struggles. So just from this first verse, what are we picking up on here? Are the right things to be doing as a Jewish community for those who are who are in the status of refugee? What are we supposed to do? <laughs> okay, so don't be xenophobic, which is which is kind of kind of what Nina said. Um, but don't keep people out just because they are unknown to you or foreign to you. Great. Anything else? Yeah. Great. Fabulous. Fabulous. So if we were going to put this into the language of our own community, whether that's Temple Betham or your neighborhood, what would that look like? Great. Exactly. Welcoming people in, not not making them feel as though they are strange to our, in this case, institution, right? But to let them in just like we let everybody else in, Gary. Great. Great. To make sure that they also have a voice, right? That they, I, I thought that was really special today when I'm forgetting his name right now, spoke in Spanish. And instead of interrupting him to translate, they let him get through his whole story in Spanish. And then we heard it in English. I actually thought that was a very powerful way of saying you share your story in the way that's going to make you most comfortable and anybody in the room who can will understand what you're saying, and then we'll make the rest of the people feel comfortable by telling them what you've said, right? Yeah, Viva. I just want to, like, echo that because like, yeah. we saw that their friends that they were with were videotaping them and cheering them on, but it, seemed, mm. it was like there was an element of stage fright again, we're kind of the room to speak, yeah. right? but also there was a truth-telling sure. for them to speak their truth and their experience and right. to witness it. So it was right. on so many levels for that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Right, there was this, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was this witness aspect, right, of like us being able to hear what they have to say, but then to be able to see that the that the people who did understand them were really um, championing them in their language to make sure that they were seen the way that they should be seen, right? That that it's almost kind of our fault for not understanding, right? Like not it shouldn't be on them to make sure that we understand. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Any uh, any other, anything else based off of this one sentence? Okay. So I just put here in the, in this box, just so that you kind of have statistics, right? This is one of the 36 times, um, that we, that we come up to this mitzvah of caring for the stranger. So you've probably all heard that before. It often comes out when we're, ta- when we're sharing the, um, 
the Pesach story, right? This number 36 is a very large number, right? That, that this is something that is clearly very important to our Torah and important to the way that we understand our story as a way of sharing in other people's stories. Okay, we're going to look at the Mishnah Torah, which is um, Ramba, Maimonides' uh, text. And I'm not going to actually read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the beginning. But you can see that the second half, which I'm not going to read through, is different texts, different quotes that he's using to prove the point that I will read out loud. Redeeming captives takes precedence over feeding and clothing the poor. It's a pretty bold statement, right? And one that we wouldn't necessarily put before the feeding and clothing of the poor. Why do you think that? Why, why would we think clothing and feeding the poor would go, would be the, um, would, would be the priority? Okay. So people are in pain and that's an immediate need, right? So we're taking care of that. Why else? Right. Right. So what Donna just said is exactly what I was thinking as well, that captives often are thought of or not necessarily seen and therefore not always thought of, right? That they're, that it might be harder to understand how to be in connection with them. Whereas the, the needy are most of the time right in front of us, whether that's because they're on the streets in modern day or because they're within our community asking for that kind of help. They're often more visible to us than captives might be. Now I'm using the word captive here, but also trying to get us to think about those who are not fully free, right? So who, who in today's, when we were hearing the stories today, right, from those who have gone through um, different types of freedom from, from places that were not safe for them, right? They might not be captives, but then, but they might feel captive within their own story within their own existence and not free in the same way. So shvuim, like the hostages in um, in Israel, which, by the way, there's different words for the hostages in Israel, depending on um, depending on how you're speaking about them. But shvuim is one of the words that's, that's used. And obviously, that is not the same as refugee, but I'm using it in the same kind of context as refugee right now in terms of their lack of... Um, uh, um, attaining freedom or feeling as though they are free in a community. Okay. And there is no commandment as great as redeeming captives for a captive is among the hungry, thirsty, naked, and is in mortal danger. And one who averts one's eye from redeeming him or her violates then all of these different quotes that come from our tradition. So what do we, what do we see here from the Rambam, which is an obviously a more modern source than the Torah? What's the next step here for us in terms of understanding the stranger? It goes back to Donna's point, if I'm going to give you a little bit of a clue. Great. So there's different level of hardship to take into consideration for sure. How can we layer this onto our understanding of taking care of taking care of those in our community who might be new to the community. And right. So I, so the question that I'm asking is how, how is this text, this Rambam text connecting us back to this idea of helping those who are in our community who might be, might be refugees, might have been captive at some point. What are we being asked to do here? Yeah, Marlies. Right. Not to forget them. And I would go one step further to look for them. Right. To go beyond just that which we can see. That's why I was giving Donna's response as a, as a clue, not to just deal with those in our midst who we know are in need, but also to not pry, but but really learn about someone's story to know 
Is this a person for whom they need a little bit of that extra help to start to feel as comfortable as possible in our, in our community? So we're going to, we're going to look at the, we're going to skip over the Psalms text um, and look at the, the Brashi text on the bottom here. This is one that you'll, that you'll know well, but this comes before the Leviticus text. And it says, So this idea that we're already being given at the beginning of our Torah, that you should know that your offspring are going to be strangers. It's a known fact. They're going to be strangers in a land that's not theirs. And this is just foreshadowing for the rest of the Torah, really for the rest of our existence, but for the rest of the Torah, that there are going to be points in time where we are not necessarily known in the land that we end up in, that we are going to be refugees in our own, in our own existence, and they shall be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. Okay. We're not going to get into that too much, but just this idea here that already in the beginning with Avram, when he's being told to go, right? He's being told to go to a land that will be his, but that starts off not his, right? And that he should, he should remember that feeling. He should remember what it was like to be in a land where he, where he needed to be taken care of and therefore he should take care of others. Hello, welcome. That this person just left for Israel. So you can sit here if you'd like. Um, (laughs) um, Not to, not to call, not to call him out, but, um, Okay. So, so turn the page over. We're going to do one more. Uh, yeah, we're going to do one more Torah text and then I'm going to pause to see if anybody has any, any thoughts to share. So in Exodus, which is, um, which is in this, this week's, uh, yeah, this, this week, the one that we're in now is Parsha. Um, you shall not wrong a stranger or oppress him for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. Okay, this is a very known phrase. It reminds you a little bit of the first verse that we read. Um, because again, this comes up in the Torah 36 times, right? So this is a phrase that is now coming up. But what's the difference of this phrase? You shall not wrong a stranger or oppress them for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. How is that different than the first Leviticus phrase? Okay, so don't take advantage of their lack of knowledge. Okay, but what's the difference between the Exodus quote and the Leviticus quote? Aviva, did you want to say something? Oh, I thought I saw your hand. Yeah, Leonard. So the first one, as Leonard's pointing out, is that we should be kind, right? That you should love them as you love yourself, that you should be nice, that you should make sure that that they feel welcome, right? But then, as Leonard's pointing out, we, the, the, this second verse, which actually comes first, right? Exodus comes before Leviticus, but this, this second verse on our source sheet from Exodus is saying that you should also be empathetic because not only did you go through this, but you might end up treating someone who is unknown to this space, the way that you were treated. And that would become oppression. So what, what Exodus is really trying to um, guard us from is this idea that by having someone who might be unknown in our midst, we might be taking care of them in such a way that we think we are welcoming, 
But we have to do what Leviticus says, which is love them like we love ourselves, put them on the same level. We can't just try to take care of them kind of from the bottom up because we believe that's where they are. We're actually supposed to elevate them to where to where we would hold our own selves, right? The standard that we would hold ourselves. So the work that that Tyson and the whole team has done to make sure that the family that we took under our, I'll call it wings, um, to make sure that they were housed, it wasn't just, oh, here's a house, right? It was taking care of them, making sure they had medical help, making sure that if they had legal help, that we helped them with that, making sure they had rides places, right? The same things that we would do for our own children, our own relatives, because they, they even probably more so than our own relatives, need that extra help and deserve to feel that kind of love and connection and, and warm embrace. We're going to look at one more text before we do Mariv. Um uh, mm. We'll get two more texts before we do Mariv. Um, I want us to look at Leviticus 23, 22, because this is a practical application for something that we could do even in today's day um, that actually does not have to do specifically with refugees, but just has to do with those who might be, I'll use the word embarrassed, though I hope that's never how someone feels, but uh, unknown of how to fend for themselves in a new place, right? So maybe they feel like maybe it's a language barrier. Maybe it is transportation. Maybe it's just that they live in a part of town that they don't yet know how to navigate. So Leviticus, Leviticus 23, 22 tells us when you reap the harvest of your land, which I'm sure we're all doing in Los Angeles, you shall not reap all the way to the edges of your field. So I will make this Los Angeles um, appropriate. If you have fruit trees on your lawn that face out to the street or are on the sidewalk, not feeling the need to bring all of that into your own home, but leaving it so that if people are walking down the street in need of a lemon, a loquat, I'm trying to think of things that grow around here, um, the, the oranges, great, that people can take them. And don't have to feel embarrassed asking for that food, but it's actually there for them. The stranger, nope, reading the wrong verse, sorry. Um, Or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger because I, Adonai, am your God. So this commandment is coming directly from God to say, you should know the godliness in another person. People need to eat. People need to take care of themselves but that it's actually our responsibility to make sure that someone also feels like a human when they're being taken care of and not embarrassed to ask for food, not feeling as though because they don't necessarily know how to ask or what to ask for, that it might not be possible for them, but to just make it available and have it be there in case it's needed. This is this verse is actually the reason that we started the fridge at Temple Beth Am because my first year at Beth Am, there were, there were multiple people, but one in particular in our community who I came across who was food insecure. And I didn't want that person to have to ask for food or to ask to have to take home leftovers from Kiddush because that can be embarrassing to someone. So we just created a fridge where if that person was in need of food any day of the week, there were going to be leftovers in a fridge for them to come and to get it. So that's, that's this kind of experience, right? Today, during the presentation, they said something about um, toiletries. And I knew that we had tons of toiletries in the office because when we asked people to give us things for Israel, 
people decided that tampons and deodorant were what the soldiers needed. So the office has been full of those things. They didn't. Um, so our office was full of those things. So we were trying to give it to the mayor's office because we were told that the unhoused needed it for new housing. That was in November and the mayor's office still hasn't come. So I said to them today, take it. Just take it. I would rather it be going to those who need it without them even asking us for it. Then, so so Betham Betham did a little bit of an extra mitzvah today, which was really nice. Um, this last text here, and then I'm happy to hear some comments before we start. Mari, even about ten minutes. Um, the last text here is a text that you're going to know. This is part of um, the New Colossus by Emma Lazarus. And it says here, and this is, I don't know about you, but the beginning of this is not, the beginning of this passage is not usually where I hear it most quoted, but I thought this was a really interesting beginning. A mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name, mother of exiles. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. So thoughts before I like put it all together, thoughts about any of these, any of the, we didn't. That's why we had them because <laughs> people just brought them, but we didn't actually have one. Yeah, Gary. Sure, sure. Well, and it's interesting, of course, it's one of the reasons I put it on the source sheet. It's interesting that anybody who wants to change these words should just go into the Old Testament <laughs> and see that we're kind of saying the same thing. Um, we're just not saying it in poetic language like this. But I think you're right, Jason, that it's that it's it's when reading it in this context, it's easy to see how those who do not believe in this kind of I'll just say America um, or this type of freedom um, could see this as something that that needs to be interpreted differently. Yeah. Yeah. Other thoughts? Yeah, Tyson. It's not just saying like, if they come to you, then take care of them. It's like saying, send them. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. I just got chills when you said that. Yeah, exactly. That there's this idea that this torch is here because we actually want you to see that we want you, not just, oh, we might have space for you, but we want you to find us and we want you to come in, not just as Tyson just said, not just, oh, once you're here, we'll then figure out a way to deal with you and take care of you, but rather come to us and whoever comes, we will make sure that, um, that, that you are cared for and that you are, are part of us. Obviously, as I'm even saying this, it's like such a, such an ideal, right? It's not always realistic, but it's, but it's an ideal for sure. Other thoughts about the whole text sheet? Yeah, Joey. It's about the uh, leanings. One, yeah. The modern example I use for myself is a, say, I see a, 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 a plastic bottle or aluminum can on the ground, but I don't pick it up for myself, leave it for a homeless person to find. They need CRV more than I do. Mm, that's After nice. That's nice. So Joey was saying that maybe, maybe leaving some of the recycling that we might see um, for someone else to be able to pick up and, and then get some get some coins for. Yeah. And I think I'm going to respond, Rosa. I think that there's also ways of looking at these, the two books, right. Which is taking your, your point to like a bit of a, (laughs) a bit of a meta level. Not that, not that it wasn't profound, but taking it like beyond um, the quote itself. Whereas Exodus 
is a story of moving us from individuals to community. And therefore, how do we also take care of those people who aren't yet in community, but who could be? And Leviticus is a book of laws, right? And so not, not necessarily come, um, taking in the, the, the feelings or the empathy, but rather the, this is what you must do because if we're not given those boundaries, maybe we wouldn't even do it. So I love that you made that comparison because I think we could often make that comparison for Leviticus and Exodus as, as a whole of looking at, at the different stories that we have within it. So I'm going to, I'm going to wrap us up so that we can, um, do Birkat Hamazon and then do Mari. Joy, if you can find Birkat in there, that would be really awesome. Um, they didn't give us benchers, right? Okay, great. We can, but we can use the CDOR. I just don't know what page it's on. Um, so, okay. Tell me in one second. Um, so what I'm hoping, what I'm hoping you glean, no pun intended from this is that there is, there is a lot of work to be done, much of which I don't even know about. Tyson knows more than I do. And there's even more that we all could be learning about how to deal with those who are both in our midst and we see who are in need of this kind of help and that those who we don't yet know and are very much in need of this help. We in our own communities are dealing with this in America, in Los Angeles, in Carthay Circle, right? This is something that's that's very central to the lives that we are living. And also I want us to think about the fact that when hostages are released and when things um, are being wrapped up in this war post October 7th, there are going to be lots of people who are finding themselves in places that are not their homes, right? And that's not a political statement. That just is a fact, right? And how are we going to take care of one another and make sure that right now, I only have heard from Israelis, so I'll only speak from that perspective. Right now, Israelis who are not in their homes because they can't be in their homes in the South or whatever, do not want to be called refugees. Yeah, I haven't spoken to people in the North, but but I'm sure it's the same case. They don't want to be called refugees because they still feel like by being in Israel, they are home, which is a really profound statement. But we are going to be dealing with people who are in a category of needing refuge And how are we going to continue to take care of those who are in our immediate midst, but also widen our glances and widen our, um, our support to those who overseas are also going to need that same kind of love and care and, and feeling of being welcomed in, even if we can't be literally bringing them through our doors every week. So I hope that this gives us a perspective on how this Shabbat, hopefully um, from this point forward, we are doing a lot more work to be giving refuge to those who are in need of it. Um, and I hope Parshat Mishpatim for all of the tour that I didn't bring on it is a very meaningful week for all of you. <laughs> you have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.